Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings number, let's see, what number? 306, the 306th edition of of Mets Musings, and it's so nice to be here yet again with you week after week. And uh, though we did miss last week, uh, took a little break, a little under the weather, but uh, hopefully that's passed. You know, this is the season for it now. Now it's the time of the year where uh, you get the little sniffles and whatever. So uh, we got to keep that in mind as we go on. But... um, yeah, 306, and uh, I don't know if you've been living under a rock, but we not only do we have a manager now, now we have a coaching staff. And uh, it's going to round out like this. Dave Island has been uh, picked as the pitching coach to replace Dan Warthin. Island was currently, or previously, I should say, with the Kansas City Royals, so he will be uh, uh, becoming a meth. I don't know uh, what uh, whether or not they made any official announcements. I don't believe they did. I don't know what they're waiting for, but these are all pretty good, solid reports across the line everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. And it turns out that Island and Mickey Callaway, the new Mets skipper, were teammates on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays in 1999. And Dan Wharton, don't say any, uh, cry any tears for him. He's landed a job. He is the new assistant uh, pitching coach for the Texas Rangers. So Dan Wharton has landed on his feet. But back to the New York Mets. We have a new first base coach, and he is Ruben Amaro Jr. He will replace Tom Goodwin. Ruben Amaro Jr. was, of course, the Phillies general manager a few years back, and and last year was the Boston Red Sox first base coach. And and really, it's it's almost like a swap of first base coaches. That Tom Goodwin goes to the Boston Red Sox to be their first base coach, and and Amaro comes here. So Ruben Amaro will be our First base coach Pat Rossler will be promoted from assistant hitting coach to the hitting coach is Kevin Long. His left the Mets to go to the Washington Nationals. Uh, the rumor is that Gary DeSarcina will become the bench coach to help out Mickey Calloway. Uh, DeSarcina, I think it was with the Angels the last few years, so he will be coming uh, east to uh, be a New York Met and be the bench coach with Mickey Calloway, uh, as well as, uh, I think that covers everybody. If I missed, I'm sure somebody will let me know. And uh, I'm still waiting to hear uh, people's opinions on Mickey Calloway. You know, I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks, and um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I stand on the guy. Uh I mean, we have to see what he does. It, it, you can't judge him yet, but I'm not real big on all that, uh, you know, 
loving everybody and all of that kind of stuff uh, on the team. And uh, we'll see how it works, though. Maybe his style, it'll work for him. I think need. I think you need sometimes you need somebody to kick him in the butt. That's what I think. Uh, but I'm an old school guy, and I'm not up with all these sabermetrics and analytics and all this other new age crap that they want to use. And look, uh, they they having a softer, gentler new age manager. So um, we'll see how it works out. But. Uh, I don't like the idea of a guy in the back room with a computer telling me what to, what to, what to tell your uh, pitcher to throw or you know what a batter to expect or all these shifts or whatnot. So I'm not big on that, and everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm not big on that. So, uh, But um, we'll see how he works out at this, and we'll see how the whole coaching staff. Of course, Glenn Sherlock will be back at the third base coach. So we'll see how it all pieces together and works together. Look, the key to this team is staying healthy. That's the whole key. It's a key in a nutshell. That's it. If the pitching staff stays healthy, this team will go as far as the pitching staff takes them. Now, they have a lot of holes to fill, and they're looking to fill some of those holes. And between you and I... And the light post, I don't think they're that happy with uh, Dominic Smith. I don't think they're sold on him. Uh, there was even a report that they're not 100% sold on Amon Rosario, but they're closer to being sold on Rosario than they are Smith. I just think that a number of people feel, as I do, he could use another year in a AAA or even um, – he could be, you know, looking, they could be looking to move him in a trade, which means they'd have to sign somebody. So uh, they have, apparently they were interested in Eric Hosma. I think he's going to be too expensive. Um, Logan Morrison's name came up. Uh, let's see who else, uh, Adam Lynn, but the, the guy, it, probably the best value and the best choice for them and I can't believe that I'm saying it, but probably the best choice for them to make would be to sign Jay Bruce again. Bruce has uh, can play the outfield. He can play some first base. It gives them a little insurance at first base. And look, if worst came, you know, Smith didn't cut it, you could always platoon uh, Bruce uh, at first base with Wilma Flores and uh, you know Bruce could go to the outfield then I mean there's a lot of ways uh, around it um, they could sign Todd Frazier as well he play, has played some first base if David Wright came back he could, Wright could play third Frazier could move over to first I mean there's a lot of uh, ways to look at it maybe, maybe you just want to give Wright a first baseman's glove if he doesn't have one already and working out there on his own. Uh, all interesting situations that we will talk about probably and uh, dwell on all winter and uh, will not know the answer until February when they hit spring training camp. And then we may not know it all after even anyway, at that, that particular point until the season breaks. But they have to make some sort of moves. They have to get at least an outfielder, an infielder, 
and perhaps a relief pitcher or two. And with the budget that they have and they're willing to spend, I don't see how they're going to land any big fish. And right now I would consider Jay Bruce to be a big fish. I mean, he's not going to get J.D. Martinez money. We know that. Let's face that. They're not going to go after somebody like that. Um, and he falls in a little lesser category, but it, <laughs> it's it's a tough call, folks. It's it's uh, an interesting thing, but we'll see how it all pans out. And uh, you know, we'll be throwing the wood into the fire of the pot belly stove, uh, the hot stove, in uh, the next few months until uh, we get back to spring training. So can't wait to see. What moves they make, winter meetings come up. Uh, I forget the exact dates. Let's see. I've got it here somewhere. Yada, yada, yada. GM meetings are November 13th and 16th to the 16th. And that's just, they just, uh, sometimes they just meet and talk. And sometimes they'll actually um, not make trades, but start ball rolling on some. Um, winter meetings are December 10th to the 14th. They're in Orlando, Florida this year. So those will be big days to look for and uh, big things happening there. So um, unless they sign somebody or make trades before then, that, that'll really be the time to keep an eye on what the Mets may be doing. And, and uh, that's the interesting part of the offseason. And then, of course, we'll try to fill the time all winter with uh, guests and whatnot. Uh, do the best we can with what we're dealt. And uh, hopefully we'll keep you entertained and keep you in Mets Nation. Because I think it's going to be an exciting offseason. I think 2018 has all of the... Um, the bones to be a terrific year. So stick with us all season long, all winter long and all season long. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with my special guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Um, he'll join us in just a few minutes. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports, you can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. The Phillies and Mets rivalry has never been better. Hi, my name is Rich Baxter, and I host Phillies Talk Podcast. I hope you'll join me as we talk all about the Phillies 
all season long. That's Phillies Talk Podcast at fightinphillies.com. And now back to Gary Mack and this great edition of Mets Musings. Five one six six one nine six three four one. That is the comment voicemail hotline. If you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail question, anything at all. Call that number five one six six one nine six three four one, or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Mets Musings, and the Twitter handle is at Mets Musings 1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. Joining me tonight is the great Wayne Randazzo, the New York Mets pre- and post-game host on WOR Radio. Wayne, uh, welcome to Mets Musings. Hi, Gary. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, Wayne, uh, you're going to be starting your uh, fourth season, if I count correctly. And uh, when you came over in 2015, did you think that uh, you were going to work until November on a World Series? Well, no, I mean, that first season, uh, you just kind of just rolled with it. I, I guess there, there weren't really any expectations on my part. I mean, the team was going to be good going into that year. Uh, you didn't know how good, but you figured they would be on an upswing from the year before where they were nearly a 500 team without Matt Harvey. Harvey was going to come back, and Sundergaard was going to come up, and Steven Matz, and, and it all just kind of came together for them that year. So, uh, you know, they just kept winning, especially toward the end. And as that continued on, you, you just kept going to work and seeing how far this <laughs> would continue. And fortunately for the Mets, it continued as far as it possibly could all the way to the World Series. And it certainly was a, a, a crazy ride for uh, the fans as well. You know, I can remember back and uh, almost being in a state of shock uh, uh, when they won the, the first the division series, then the, then the pennant, and then going to the World Series is so exciting. And I'm fortunate enough that I'm old enough to remember the uh, 69 and uh, the 86. So I've seen them all. So uh, it was a pretty exciting time here in New York. Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, you know, for the Mets, I think it was uh, a really big shot in the arm to have that type of season and, and to get the city behind them in the manner that it did. It was a, a extremely supportive fan base. We were told by multiple people as we went along that the, that city field was probably the loudest of, of any stadium that October, and the fans were extremely uh, supportive of that team and of that run to try to get that team a, a world championship. Unfortunately, they fell 
just a little short, mm-hmm. but it was just amazing to see how that all came about. It was almost uh, similar to what the Yankees did this year, except the Mets took it you know, one round further, right. that it just kind of came out of nowhere virtually. There weren't many pundits picking the Mets to win the division, let alone the National League in 2015. So it was an interesting time for that team. And, and unfortunately for them, you know, they really haven't gotten back to uh, that stage. You know, they've, they've had a pretty good season in 2016, but could have been much better. And uh, obviously last year things, or this year, things just completely went south on them. And how difficult was it uh, in your position uh, uh, to go through last year? Yeah, but it's tough for everybody. I think that when you're, especially when you're with a team that it was expected to do a lot, um, mm-hmm. there was every reason in the world to believe the Mets were going to win 90 plus games, and they were actually it was almost the opposite of 2015. Whereas in, in 2015, nobody was picking them, and yet they ended up in the World Series. Whereas in 2017, everybody seemed to be on the bandwagon, and they didn't—they didn't win much at all. So it was a frustrating season, I think, for everybody. And I think that you know everybody by the end of it, there were so many injuries and so much underperformance, and and by the end, I mean, so many kids that were up. It was a, an unrecognizable locker room in that final month of the year, a final month and a half, even. So it was, uh, it was, it was a tough year for everyone. And I think that the Mets are, are ready to turn the page on 2017. Clearly a lot has already changed and they hope that 2018 can be a lot more like the year they were hoping to have in 17. And how, how tough it was, is it for you to come up with, uh, you know, you want to remain optimistic and, and, uh, of the during the season and all, but how tough is it to come up with a show, you know, every pregame when when they're struggling like that? I mean, you must have got tired of saying uh, we have another injury or we have an injury, you know? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it, you know, it is what it is. I, I um, you know, I just tell the story of that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of the steward where we all are. All the broadcasters are the stewards of that particular game on that particular day. So, and every day is different, even if the team is struggling, you know, even, even if things haven't gone to expectation, there are still things to ask about. There are still things to talk about and, you know, there's still storylines. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's our job to cover all of that. You know, we're not, we're not splitting atoms here. We're, we're broadcasting baseball and, you know, we try to have fun with it no matter what the circumstances are. So, you know, I would, I wouldn't say that it's ever a tough day, getting to go to the ballpark to work. It's always a great day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just hope the team uh, plays a little bit better than they did the previous day if they lost or continues to string together victories if they won. And, you know, you kind of you kind of move through with that attitude. And I think for this upcoming year, I think that people are, are going to try to be as optimistic as possible that, you know, all these changes will accumulate to success. Well, speaking of uh, this upcoming season, we have a uh, new manager, uh, new coaches. Though they, I'm not sure if they have announced and made it official yet, but the reports are out there. Um, what's your opinion on, on the changes that they've made so far? Well, I think it's encouraging that they went into the process of finding a new manager and the person they landed on completely shattered that process. They hired Mickey Calloway 
to be the manager after one round of interviews when they fully intended to do at least two rounds of interviews. Mm -hmm. So it it just kind of goes to show that they totally hit the mark on what they wanted. Uh, It's impossible to say what kind of manager Mickey Calloway is going to be because he's never been one before. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be learning curves with that. You, You hope that the coaching staff, he can lean on them a little bit. Not a ton of managerial experience on this coaching staff, even with Gary DiSarcinia in as the bench coach. You know, he's not a guy who's managed really at the major league level either, although he's been, you know, obviously he was on Boston staff last year and he's been a, a major league coach for a while. And, you know, a guy who can end up being a big league manager one day. But I think that, you know, there's not a ton, they're not that old vet on the bench that's been around and, and seen everything. So there could be some learning curves with this coaching staff. But ultimately, I think that they believe that the way that Mickey handles himself, the, his his optimism for every day, his enthusiasm for baseball, for what he does, is going to rub off on these players and on this team. And it doesn't hurt that he's got a, a tremendous pitching background. And, uh, of course, this team, at least for the time being, will still be built around its pitching, will still go as far as its pitching carries them. So to have a, a pitch-minded manager, uh, especially a guy like Mickey Calloway, it seems to be a good fit, and we'll find out if he's actually a good major league manager as time goes on. Now, we know that the, the Mets have a lot of holes uh, in the infield and, and uh, uh, even some outfield, and maybe even behind the plate. Uh, Sandy Alden said he's going to stick with the, the catching duo that he has, but uh, being that the pitching is is so solid, it if they can stay healthy, is that that make for an easier rebuild, if you will, of this club? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not a, a rebuild build at all. I mean, I think they feel like it's it's they need a as you said, patch up a couple of holes, but otherwise they feel like they already have enough. Mm-hmm. to contend in 2018, and I promise you, they can go trade for D. Gordon and, and J.T. Realmuto and whoever else they want. But if the <laughs> pitching does not hold up in 2018, this team will not go to the playoffs. And on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, they could do nothing this off season. But if the pitching does give them what they hope for or expect, then I think they'll still make the playoffs because that's how good this pitching mm-hmm. is. That's how impactful these starting pitchers can be and i think that if if they have a healthy staff throughout 2018 this this team's going to go places but if they don't then they probably won't yeah i i, I couldn't agree with you more it's all about the health and uh i hope i hope that the the pitchers and and the outfielders as well uh, learn their lesson from last season with the the workouts and things and come in uh um, in not not in better shape, but more in ba- you know Keith Hernandez always talks about baseball shape, and I, I think that's a big a lot of the problem now. They all want to look like Mister America, but it doesn't pay off on the baseball diamond. Yeah, I mean, I think you know Matt's you know he's in great right, shape. Right. I don't think that he's he's someone who overdoes it in the way. I'm really the only guy who you could point to as being that way is Syndergaard, and I think he's already taken steps. Mm-hmm to alleviate some of that. So I, I I'm not really concerned about their workouts. My, my biggest concern is none of these guys pitched in 2017, <laughs> yeah. not for any length of time. So how can you expect 175 to 200 innings out of pitchers who didn't even crack a hundred innings right. in the previous year? That's a big jump mm-hmm. to go from 70 or 80 innings in the case of a Mats or a Harvey 
to 170 or 180. Uh, obviously, for Syndergaard, you know, he only pitched around 30 innings for the year, so that'll be another big jump to go back up to that 180-200 mark. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about getting length out of these guys if they are healthy enough to give them that length to begin with. Now, the reports are that they'd like to get a, a another Bartolo Cologne type of pitcher, and of course, Bartolo said he'd like to uh, he'd like to pitch again in 2018. Uh, who would be somebody that, if it's not going to be Cologne, uh, that you would be looking for, or do you think the Mets would be looking at? Yeah, I think there. I mean, there's there's going to be some names out there that. You know the Mets can take a look at. I, I thought Marco Estrada would be one of them, but he ended up resigning with Toronto right away, so he's not available. I think Jason Vargas is a guy who has some Mets ties. Certainly in, in the beginning of his career, he's a guy who can who can be added. Uh, although you know, starting pitchers can be pretty costly at this point. But you know, I think that they're when you look at the market, they're not going to go and and try to sign Arietta or Darvish or anybody like that. But I think there are some mid level starting pitchers and that's all they need you know they don't need another ace they Mm -hmm. have two Uh, a lot of teams don't have any a lot of teams have just one the Mets have two bona fide aces in their starting rotation they have Noah Sundergaard and they've got Jacob DeGrom and if you can get out of Mats, Harvey, Wheeler, Gesellman, Montero some of these other guys just kind of cobble them all together for for 65 starts between the four and five spots in the rotation, and you have those three main guys, the two aces, plus whoever, whatever mid-level starter you sign, then I think you're in pretty good shape as far as being able to get the innings that you need to get through a full season. You mentioned Matt Harvey, and, and of course, a big question mark uh, for him this year. Uh, last year came back, did not perform well. I, I think, in a way, you have to throw that out the window and just think, you know, to me, he was in spring training after he came back. Um, and uh, what's your thoughts on Harvey? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge year for Matt, personally, because this is, this is his free agent year. He's going to, you know, test the waters after the 2018 season and see what he can get. You know, three, four years ago, everybody thought this would be the year that he catapults toward a $200 million contract. Well, uh, that's obviously not going to be there for him now. And he needs to fight just to maybe get a, a 60 or 70 or $80 million contract. Not that that's not tremendous amount of money, but you know, he's, he, he would have to do well in 2018 to get that mm-hmm. going forward. If not, if he has another year, like he just had, well, then you're talking about a guy who, who might get a, a one year flyer somewhere who might get, might be relegated to just being a, a spring training invite. I mean, who knows mm-hmm. how things will look for Matt Harvey if 2018 goes the way that 16 and 17 did. That would be three years in a row where he's been extraordinarily ineffective. And he, you know, he was throwing batting practice up there a lot of times in, in this past year. And we saw him in Houston just getting battered. I mean, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the only time. So, you know, there were some things I think about Matt that were encouraging. I think his fastball looked fine. I think, you know, if he's throwing 94, 95, I, I think you could clearly win with that. He's got to learn how to spot it a little bit differently now. He's, he's not throwing 97 or 98 anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought his slider looked decent at times. He needs to get his third pitch, his changeup back. So there's a lot that Matt Harvey has to work on going into this year. And I think with Matt, you know, you kind of worry about uh, what, how he is mentally. You know, is he, can he still be that bulldog that we saw him be in the past because I think that all these injuries 
and these surgeries and the ineffectiveness. I think it's all taken a toll on Matt from a competitive standpoint. And I think that, you know, that will be as big Mm -hmm. an interest to me in terms of how he acts as opposed to how he looks on the mound. Yeah, I think he's going to be an interesting uh, one to watch in spring training as well into the season because uh, it is a mystery. Uh, it seemed, to, like you said, his his velocity was good, down a little bit, but it still had some pop. But uh, it it seemed to be a mechanical thing with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. How, I don't even know that it was mechanical. I, I really believe in there's there's two things that I would point to. The first thing is that. You know, he's not used to having to get by with lesser stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that there was there was a lot, of, you know, when you're pitching the same way you used to pitch and you're getting hammered, you have to make some adjustments. You mentioned Bartolo. Well, he certainly did that. You know, mm-hmm. he used to throw 100 miles an hour. <laughs> now he barely breaks 90. And he's still able to get hitters out. And I think that, you know, Harvey, it's not, not, it's not quite that dramatic dip in his stuff, but he's still going to have to learn how to pitch with lesser materials than what, what he used to. And again, I think that there's a mental standpoint there with Matt that, you know, he, he used to be the dark knight. He used to be this, this pitcher who went out there and just blew everybody away, dominated, and now he's not that guy. And I think that there's, uh, that's, that's affected him and, and how he views himself and how he looks at, at the way he goes about his business on the mound. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Bartolo had to make that adjustment. CC Sabathia, we saw him make the adjustment, and um, I guess Matt's going to have to make that adjustment as well as as this season goes on. Um, what about the catching situation? What what do you see going on there? Anything at all? I mean, uh, Darno had a, a good power year. Average was a little down. Um, stayed reasonably healthy this year. Uh, Plowecki came up and really did a pretty nice job, showed that he could hit a little bit uh, better than he did in the past. Uh, are you? Do you think that Sandy is happy and will stay with that uh, rotation, or will he look elsewhere to bring in a veteran? No, I think I think this is going to be it. Uh, I mean, certainly if if something happens where there's you know an opportunity to get get an upgrade at that position, you know I know. You know, I know the rumors are swirling. The Marlins want to get rid of players and, mm-hmm. you know, cut payroll. JT Real Muto is obviously a, a, a top 10 caliber catcher, I think, now in Major League Baseball, at least top 15. And, you know, it could be an, an interest to somebody if, if, if indeed he's gone. But I don't see why the Marlins would want to move him. I think the two guys they want to move are Stanton and Gordon because those are the two guys that make the money right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that I don't know that he'll be on the table, but barring something like that, I think the Mets have too many holes to focus on something that may or may not really be a hole. I, you know, Travis Darno was their catcher, and they went to the World Series. Um, you know, he he had he's had okay seasons. He's not any any great years, but I think the Mets can be encouraged by what they saw from Kevin Plawecki too. I think he hit the ball really nicely in the second half of this past season. So between the two of them. You know, I, I, you know, I, I do what Atlanta does. I split the catching duties right down the middle. I give them eighty-one games each, and I, I go on my way with it. I, I don't, I, I don't think either one of them is a guy who can catch a hundred forty games and be a star. But I think between the two of them, that they can give you some pretty good production cooperatively if they're catching roughly half the time each. You know, you're not exposing either one of them, mm-hmm. and I think you're giving them enough rest. And I think it will work out fine. 
if the Mets just use Darnell and Plowecki as as a combination, because I, I think they need to spend money to get the bullpen to be a little bit better. Right. I think they obviously need that number three starter that we talked about, mm-hmm. and they need at least one more bat in their lineup, whether that be on the infield or in the outfield. So there's a, there's a lot to work on before you think about the the two catchers. So I think you know you look at the numbers collectively from the catching unit in in 2017. They were fine. They were top eight in the major leagues and runs batted in top 10 in homers. I mean, you look at what they did as a unit instead mm-hmm. of what just one person did. And I think that it, it compares nicely with the rest of the league. Uh, there's a rumor going around, of course, there's lots of rumors this time of year, but there's a rumor going around that the Mets may be interested in Logan Morrison from the devil rays. Uh, or the Rays, she told you I was old. Uh, <laughs> um, does that is that a, a a warning sign that that maybe they're not as happy with Dominic Smith as we thought, uh, or could he be used as a trade to get something else? Uh, any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, they're in an interesting spot with Dom because I think you know I think Ahmed Rosario's proven himself to be an everyday major league shortstop, and he can be on a team that wins and all that. Uh, can Dominic Smith be an everyday first baseman on a team that is? hoping to contend. And that's, that's really the question. You know, I, you know, the Phillies have had Michael Franco play third base the last three or four years. And that same thing would come up if Franco was on a contending team. He hasn't been, he's been fine. You stick him mm-hmm. in third base. He'll hit his 20 homers. He'll do what he does. And he'll, he really hasn't taken the steps to be an excellent major league player. And for Dominic Smith, I, I think, you know, the jury is out in some ways. Can he carry the load? at first base for a competitive team. And if the Mets aren't sold on that, what do they do? Do they bring in a veteran guy, a stopgap for a year while Smith continues to get seasoned? Do they do they use Dom as trade bait to improve somewhere else? I think there's a lot of questions there that you, you can have with Dom. Or maybe you sign a veteran guy, you sign a guy like, you know, you, if you did bring back Jay Bruce, a guy who could play first base if you need him to, and play the outfield primarily just in case Dominic Smith doesn't cut it to start mm-hmm. the year because you always have Juan Lagares that you can go back to in center field. So you, know, you, you at least have an option to move some things around if you sign a first base outfield type. So uh, we'll see. I mean, Logan Morrison had a really great year, hit a lot of home runs, but everybody did. So you don't really, you can't really <laughs> yeah, say, true. you know, Logan Morrison's the answer to anything right now because I don't know right. that he's any anything different than than Luke. You might as well go with Lucas due to them because I don't think, <laughs> right. I don't think, I don't think Logan Morrison's at any different. Uh, and the third base, we have to talk about the uh, David Wright going to try to come back again. Um, God, I hope so. I mean, uh, you know, we hope he can, we all hope he can make it back, but it's just uh, so little time as we are talking about the pitchers, uh, David's played so little over the last few years and really has gone through so much with the operations and the rehab. Um, I, I I don't know. What what if your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, not, not lacking the effort to try to come back. He's, he's done absolutely everything possible. Even the last surgery he had was still in an effort to try to throw the ball better and, and to try to be uh, a little bit more productive. I mean, Talk about first base. Well, you know, maybe the Mets situation is such that if Dominic Smith isn't the answer at first base and they find that out a month or two into the season, maybe David Wright's that guy. You know, maybe you take that throw away mm-hmm. from him 
he'll still have to throw some on relays and such, but he won't, you won't be relying on his arm as much from third base as you would be at first. And, you know, maybe, maybe he finds his way in the lineup that way. So, uh, you know, I think it's all on the table right now. You know, I think it's Drupal Cabrera coming back, gives the Mets a lot of options on the infield. You know, he can play everywhere. Obviously Rosario's locked in as the shortstop, but you know, second and third base for sure are wide open right now. And I think the Mets still have to operate under the presumption that David Wright won't give them anything. You know, he's only given them 75 games in the last three years, none in 2017. So I think as he continues to get older, further away from his last game that the Mets continue have to, they just have to continue to say, well, we can't count on him right now and may never be able to. So we have to move on. And I know you have to be somewhere, so I uh, won't keep you uh, much longer. I just have one more, mm-hmm. and that's uh, basically how the baseball world was shocked by uh, the death of Roy Holiday yesterday. Any uh, thoughts on him? I uh, don't know if you ever talked to him, but uh, any uh, thoughts at all? Well, I was still kicking around the minors when uh, he was, you know, zipping through, uh, you know, being a dominant ace and and an era where the ace was becoming uh, less and, and less you know, around Major League Baseball. But he was uh, a bona fide number one, a guy who was an incredible pitcher for the Phillies and for the Blue Jays, and you know had an awesome no hitter in the in the 2010 postseason, uh, mm-hmm. just the second one ever to happen in in postseason play, which was a, a cool moment. So, I mean, it's sad, you know, the guy's 40 years old and, mm-hmm. and has a, a young family and, uh, you know, you never want to see, uh, you know, somebody that young, uh, pass away so tragically. And, you know, I know baseball is mourning his loss. Uh, you know, he was a, a tremendous pitcher. It sounded like he was, uh, just, just the same as far as uh, a human being goes. Sounded like he was a great guy. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, anybody, you know, passes away in a, such an untimely and, and tragic manner and, and leaves behind, you know, the family that he did. You know, he's got two uh, two sons that are going to grow up or continue to grow up at least uh, without a father. And I think that's, uh, that's the saddest thing about mm-hmm. the whole thing. Terrible. Well, Wayne, I want to thank you so much uh, uh, for, for coming on tonight. We enjoy your work every game, uh, pre and post game. And, uh, 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 thanks again for coming on and taking the time to talk to us. Okay, Gary, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And I hope we can do this again sometime before the season starts. Sure, that'd be great. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at BaseballPodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment 
voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. Hi again, uh, I'm back, and I hope you all enjoyed that interview with uh, Wayne Randazzo, broadcaster for the New York Mets, and uh, Wayne was really uh, a, a nice guy, and I thank him. Interesting that he thinks Harvey's problem isn't physical at all, could be a mental issue. You know, it's tough. You got to get your head right in the right place to play this game at this level, and uh, perhaps that's where his uh, problem is now. He can't. Uh, as Wayne said, uh, you know, he was the dark knight and, and now he, he doesn't have the, that ability or it hasn't come back yet uh, like it was. So he's going to have to get a different mindset. All right, let's take a look at some of the minor league stuff. Uh, Philip Evans was re-signed by the Mets. Uh, that's a good signing, I think. Uh, he, he played pretty well for them and it gives them a backup in case an infielder goes down and he'll probably go to, to Vegas to start the season, but um, he's not a bad little backup to have. And uh, a bunch of Mets minor leaguers officially became a free agents on Monday. I'm not going to go through all the names. I'll go through some of the ones that you may know. Eric Goodell, Tyler Pill, Tom Gorzolani, Cody Decker, Oh, let's see. We've got uh, Craig Missingman and Travis Tyrone, and there are a bunch of others that, uh, from different levels of the minor leagues that you probably never heard of, so I'm not going to uh, bore you with all of that at this time, <laughs> but a uh, uh, bunch of guys are now free agents and the minor league guys, and we may hear them signing with other teams like an Eric Goodell or a Tyler Pill. And Mets infield prospect Luis Guillorme and catching prospect Thomas Nito played in the Arizona Fall League's Fall Stars game this past weekend in Phoenix. Uh, Nito was hitless in two at-bats, but threw out Braves prospect Ronald Acuna attempting to steal second base. Guillaume hit a double and scored a run in his only at-bat. And according to MILB.com editor Jim Callis, Guillaume has been the best defender uh, during this year's AFL. And another guy that's had a good Arizona Fall League is 29-year-old Mets Pitching prospect, if you will, Mickey Janice, 
who features a knuckleball and has been dominant so far in the Arizona Fall League, allowing just three runs, one earned, on seven hits while walking four and striking out 14 in 17 innings. He had four starts for uh, Scottsdale Scorpions. James pitched this past season for W.A. Binghamton, posting a 3.60 ERA in 122 and a third innings while walking 38 batters and striking out 83. Uh, he's been doing a good job. And uh, is there any chance that perhaps we may see him uh, in Flushing this year? Who knows? He will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft in December if the Mets don't add him to the 40-man roster by November 20th. So I guess we'll know uh, by November 20th whether or not they add him and, and – uh, because with these numbers that he's having in the Arizona Fall League, I would not be surprised at all if somebody doesn't pick him up because he's putting up some good numbers. And I guess he's finding his way with the knuckleball after uh, struggles uh, along the way. He's also a guy that pitched for the Long Island Ducks in the Atlantic League a few years back. So uh, another guy who goes to the Atlantic League, fights his way back, makes it back to the uh, professional ranks and organized baseball. And, you know, hopefully good luck. Maybe, uh, maybe he can latch on with either the Mets or another major league team somewhere down the road. That would be great for him, and I hope uh, that it happens. All right, that's all I have for tonight, and uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, the show. hope you enjoyed Wayne Randazzo, as I said, uh, you know, uh, Mets broadcaster, and uh, he was so kind to come on, and uh, thanks to him once again. As I said, uh, I haven't formulated a complete schedule for the show for this winter uh, we will be off and i think it's two weeks it's thanksgiving so uh no show that evening of course but we'll be back the following week and then we'll we'll see um have a couple of shows in december probably take a couple of weeks off for the holidays and then uh be back in 2018 with more and hopefully a lot more information uh We'll come out of the Mets camp by then. So, until we get together again, which should be next week, remember, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and as always, let's go Mets. Stick with our Mets no matter what. Be true to the Orange and Blue. All right, good night, everybody. I'll see you next time.